Hey, happy Sunday. My name is Brian Owen. I'm the lead pastor of Grace City Church. And so if I don't uh, officially know you, uh, this could be our kind of official uh, welcoming. Uh, really excited to be uh, in this series with uh, Charles River Church and Christ Church Charlestown. And just um, it's, it's so great to have a, just a team of churches that are seeking to reach the city. And, uh, and so excited to be able to, to play my part and to be able to do that. If, if, you, if you haven't joined us in, on any of these Sundays, we were in a series called Hidden Figures, and basically we've been looking at um, various kind of biblical characters that you may not have heard about. You know, sometimes when we read scripture or if you grew up in church, you, you could have heard of, you know, uh, Adam and Eve or Moses or David or uh, Jeremiah, Isaiah. I mean, we, we kind of hear some of these large characters and scriptures, but one of the things that we wanted to bring um, bring about an awareness of is like there are lots of all throughout the Old Testament in particular, which is what we've been looking at. There are lots of of characters who uh, that, that we don't even really hear about very much who play a really significant um, role in the story of God that should serve as a honestly as a real encouragement to us uh, to be able to do that because not all of us are going to be David's or Noah's or Right, Solomon's. I mean, that's that's for the most part not the majority of our stories, uh, and and so it's a it's, it's a real encouragement to be able to look at um, these various types of people. So I'm excited to be able to jump uh, right into this series along uh, with everyone else, and and so I want to get started um, on, on March seventh, uh, nineteen sixty five. Uh, there were six hundred people that were demanding their voting rights uh, that they had been denied. Uh, these six hundred people were marching across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama, uh, into the waiting army of state troopers in riot gear. Uh, once they were, they were ordered to leave, uh, the protesters stood uh, silently, stood their ground silently. The troopers responded uh, with tear gas, with bull whips, with rubber tubing wrapped in barbed wire. Um, in the melee, uh, which came to be known as, which many of you probably know as Bloody Sunday, a man who was growing in prominence in the civil rights movement was there by the name of John Lewis. He actually had his skull cracked with a billy club on this march. Uh, New York Times says this uh, about the march and Mr. Lewis. It says this televised image of the beatings of Mr. Lewis and a scores of others outraged the nation and galvanized support for the Voting Rights Act which President Lyndon B. Johnson presented to a joint session of Congress eight days later and signed into law. A milestone in the struggle for civil rights, the law struck down the literacy test that black people had been compelled to take before they could register to vote, and it also replaced previous voting registrars uh, with federal registrars to ensure that black people were no longer denied the ballot uh, once registered, so once African Americans were able to register, um, millions of them began to transform politics across the South. Uh, why, why do I tell that story? Why do I begin this this idea of hidden figures? Uh, well, this past week, uh, actually past two weeks now, uh, we lost Congressman uh, John Lewis, this, this man who uh, was a, a huge prominent figure in the civil rights um, in the civil rights movement. So you're seeing all over the news, social sites, all of these various kind of dedications to John Lewis. Well, why, why was that the case? Well, in a lot of reasons, I think this particular story um, 
is why, right? If you were going to describe him to someone, how would you describe him? You would describe him as, as brave, courageous, someone with high vision, someone who's willing to risk it all to do uh, what is right. We actually, the, the same week, that, the same day that Congressman Lewis died, we also lost another titan of the civil rights movement, a Reverend C.T. Vivian, who was actually a part of Martin Luther King's um, inner circle. Uh, he participated and led multiple sit-ins across the segregated South. And so if you're looking into uh, C.T. Vivian's history, he was leading and participating in all these incredible sit-ins uh, all across the South. And so it was a really, honestly, as I'm, I'm studying the story that we're going to look at here in a second, it was a heavy week. We, we'd lost some real heroes of the civil rights um, movement. We, we lost men that, that had remarkable courage in the face of tremendous pressure, right? I mean, if you were to ask what motivated these men to live the type of lives that are causing us to talk about them, what was their motivation? Well, I think it was a, a desire to see justice prevail. Uh, they, they recognized the moment that they were in for what it was. It was a moment to respond, to act, and to risk, right? I mean, this is what it was. And I think this is what it, ultimately what it means to be a Christ follower. I think it's what it means to be one living in the way of Jesus is what is ultimately someone who is a, a pursuer of justice. Now, what is justice? It's a, it's a pursuit of right order. That's ultimately what justice is. We're, we're working to pursue um, right order. So it's not, it's not identifying with a certain platform or a political party. About, it's, it's simply about recognizing people's created order. And I think this is what uh, Congressman Lewis and uh, Reverend Vivian got right. They, they recognize in the civil rights movement, they recognize that um, we need to go after justice. We need to go after right order. And so the, the thing I love about, the, the reason that I begin our time, both, both I want to recognize them, uh, I want to recognize and honor the work that they did in the civil rights movement, and while at the same time kind of serve as an intro into who we're going to talk about today, because in so many ways, uh, this man, uh, an, an African from Ethiopian, uh, uh, Ethiopia, w w was also an incredible man motivated by a desire to see right order, a desire to see right justice. And so if you have your Bible, we'll go to Jeremiah chapter 38 uh, is where we're going to be at. And we're going to start uh, in verse 2. So Jeremiah was a, a prophet of, of God. Um, and so he's, he's in the city. This is uh, in the kind of the last days of the kingdom of Israel. So this is right before um, Israel is going to go into Babylonian captivity. And so if you know anything about the history of God's people in the Old Testament, is, is ultimately they divided into two kingdoms, a northern kingdom, a southern kingdom. Uh, the northern kingdom um, fell earlier, and now uh, the southern kingdom will fall eventually. And so Jeremiah is a prophet operating in this in this kingdom, he is someone communicating on behalf uh, of God. And so he is communicating something to uh, Zedekiah, the king, the last Israelite king. Um, here he's, he's going to tell them something that they're actually not going to enjoy. So let's dive into it in verse 2. It says this, uh, This is what the Lord says. Whoever stays in the city will die by the sword, famine, and plague, but whoever surren uh, surrenders to the Chaldeans will live. He will retain his life like the spoils of war and will live. This is what the Lord says. This city will most certainly be handed over to the king of Babylonian's army, and he will capture it. Verse 4. So here's the conflict. Here we're going to be introduced into the conflict that's going to help us eventually get to kind of the hero, the character that, that we're looking at this week. 
Um, then the official said to the king, verse 4, This man ought to die because he is weakening the morale of the warriors who remain in this city and all the people by speaking to them this way. This man is not pursuing the welfare of this people, but their harm. Verse 5, King Zedekiah said, Here he is. He is in your hands since the king can't do anything against you. So they took Jeremiah uh, and dropped him into the cistern of Malachi, the king's son, uh, which was in the guard's courtyard, lowering Jeremiah with ropes. There was no water in the cistern, only mud, and Jeremiah sank in the mud. All right, so that's Jeremiah chapter 38, 2 through 6. So here's, here's the situation that we have. So Jeremiah has communicated something on behalf of God, and he said to them, hey, um, this is what's going to happen to the city. The Lord is trying to tell you that's what's going to go down. And so you have other officials who, motivated by fear, right? And this is such a, a contrast for me because um, the, the, the character that we're going to look at in a second, he's motive, he's mo- he, he, he is a representative of courage. He's representative of seeking right order while these men are motivated by fear. So they come to the king and say, hey, we got to get rid of Jeremiah. He is, he is weakening the morale of the people. He, he's going he's gonna to bring the warriors that we have in the city. They're already weak. We don't need this guy, even though he's a, when communicating on behalf of God, we don't need him here communicating these things. And so what does the king do? It says that he drops him. He allows them to take a, a prophet of God and drop him into a, a cistern. Now, a cistern was, a, was kind of a, a hewed out place for catching water um, during, really during winter months when it, when it rained. And so by, by August around this time, uh, there was not going to be really anything in it, but but this kind of this blackish sediment, this this type of mud, and so he he's essentially dropped in uh, to the cistern to die, to die a sl- really a slow death, um, to die, and so we have this this prophet, this mouthpiece of God, in a cistern, on his own by himself. Okay, well here here is the introduction into the guy that I want to look at. So look at verse uh, verse seven. Of Jeremiah 38. It says, but, so there's the conjunction, so there is the turn in our story. Here's our situation, but uh, Abedmelech, a Cushite court official, which is an Ethiopian, essentially, court official in the king's palace. Now, it's, it's interesting to note here that Jeremiah's own people didn't come to his rescue, right? It was essentially left to in a foreigner, Now, this is going to speak towards, I think, what it means to live in the kingdom of God and be a person in the kingdom of God. But I just want to acknowledge that on the front end, that his own people weren't coming to him. This was a foreigner. So it says, he had heard Jeremiah was put into the cistern while the king was sitting at uh, the Benjamin gate, um, Abedmelech went from the king's king's palace and spoke to the king. Verse 9, my lord, the king. These men have been evil in all they have done to the prophet Jeremiah. They have dropped him into the cistern. Well, he will die from hunger because there is no more bread in the city. Now, what is this? This is Abedmelech calling out injustice. It's him recognizing wickedness and responding to what he had seen. Verse 10, so the king commanded Abedmelech, the Cushite, uh, take from here 30 men under your authority and pull the prophet Jeremiah up from the cistern before he dies. So Abedmelech took the men under his authority and went to the king's palace to a place below the storehouse. From there, listen what he does. It says, from there he took old rags and worn out clothes and lowered them by the ropes to 
uh, lowered them by ropes to Jeremiah in the cistern. Abimelech, the Cushite, uh, called Jeremiah, place these old rags and clothes between your armpits and the ropes. Jeremiah did this. They pulled him up from the ropes, lifted him out of the cistern, but he remained in the guard's courtyard. Okay, so a couple of takeaways here, because I love this story of Abedmelech. I, I love what he represents. He is a pursuer of right order. He is a pursuer of justice. I think in this, in this cultural moment that we're in right now, I think we as God's people can't be fearful uh, to step into justice issues, right? We have to, to recognize that there, there are a lot of justice issues that we should step into. There's racial inequality. Um, there's justice for the, the unborn. There's sex trafficking. There's the marginalized and poor. There, there, there are all kinds of, of issues that I believe God has, has called us into that we shouldn't be fearful to step into. So a couple of takeaways from this particular story that were really just impactful for me, and hopefully they'll be helpful for you. And so we'll cover a few of these, and then we'll, we'll be done. First thing, pursuing justice begins as a result of a right relationship with God. So it's really a right relationship with God that pursues us into, is into justice issues, right? So if we're looking back, look what um, Abimelech says, right? He says, my lord, the king, these men have done, uh, these men have been evil and, and all they have done to who? To the prophet Jeremiah. Now, what does he do? So let's deconstruct that. He calls Jeremiah what? A prophet. So he's saying that Jeremiah is one who does what? Who speaks on behalf of God. So we, we don't know a lot about Abimelech. We, we, we're not sure about his background. We're not sure about his, his uh, we're not even fully sure about his relationship with God. But what does he recognize? He recognized who, who Jeremiah is. So much so that he's moved to action. That, that even Jeremiah's own people weren't moved to action, but he's moved to action. So there's something about his relationship with God or his understanding of the kingdom of God Abimelech's understanding of the kingdom of God that motivated him and pushed him to speak out against the injustice against Jeremiah, to speak out against the the evil that has been done uh, to Jeremiah. See, pursuing justice begins as a result of a right relationship with God. This is why in Luke 10, the story of the Good Samaritan, if you know the story at all, we we won't get into all of it, um, but in Luke chapter 10, Uh, In verse 25, there's an expert of the law comes to Jesus, right? I I love this story. It says this. This is verse 25. He says, Then an expert of the law stood up to test him, saying, "Uh, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 26 is what Jesus says. What is written in the law? And he said to him, How do you read it? And he answered, Jesus answered, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28, he, he says, you've answered correctly. Jesus said to the man who just answered, you've answered correctly, he told him. Do this, and you will live, right? But in verse 29, says, but wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor, right? So, so Jesus, right, is, is telling this story. Now, by, by depicting a Samaritan helping a Jew, what was Jesus doing? Because um, that's, that's what he's going to get into out of this story. He, he's he's going to tell a story about um, a, a, a Jewish man who's on the side of the road hurt, and you have a priest who comes by. You have all these men who are considered holy men, but who ultimately helps this man is a Samaritan. 
This is a, this is a story that would be shocking to Jesus' hearers, right? So, so why was he doing it? Well, Jesus, by telling this, could not have found a more forceful way to say that anyone uh, at all in need, regardless of race, politics, class, or religion, is your neighbor. Now, why, was he, why is that such a powerful story, the story of the Samaritan that, that Jesus tells in this story? Well, it's a story about justice. It's a story about loving your neighbor, loving all people. Now, I, I do want to say on the front end, before we, we, we get into some of these other things, that that particular story was Jesus saying to that, 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 that man that was asking the question, hey, you can have eternal life if you do all these things. So if you pursue justice by loving God and loving neighbor, you'll have eternal life. Is that what Jesus was, was saying, that this guy could do that and he, he would have eternal life? No, no. Ultimately, really what Jesus was trying to help the man see is that you, you, can't, you can't perfectly love God and love neighbor. So I want to say that on the front end, right? I don't want to just look at this story with Abimelech and just look at it as a, as a kind of a moral story, as a story that should, should cause us to want to pursue justice in various ways. I, I want to, to recognize that this passage in Luke 10 is really meant to, to, to say to us and, and, and to cause us to go, well, I, I actually can't love God and love neighbor perfectly. And if, if that's true, I can't, I can't have eternal life. I mean, Jesus is really telling that story to help them see that you can't keep the law, that, that you need Jesus. In, in order to have eternal life, you have to keep the law. But if you can't keep the law, then what did you need? You need what? You need Jesus. And so I just want to say on the front end that, that as we talk about um, justice issues and, and pursuing these things, these things are, are motivated by a right relationship with God. They're, they're motivated by having a relationship with God through Jesus. That, that is, that's the gospel. So I just want to be on the front end that, that we, we can never do these things. Even men that we look at from, from the, the civil rights eras, these kind of heroes that we look at, had major misses of not loving God and not loving neighbor well. So, so eternal life doesn't come through doing things. It comes through receiving Jesus. And then out of that, we begin to pursue uh, what's right. And so pursuing justice um, ultimately begins as a result of a right relationship with God. Okay, second thing that we see is that pursuing justice is one of the, I would say, is one of the clearest pictures of the kingdom of God. See, when we pursue justice for the cause of another, it creates an opportunity. It creates an opportunity. Jeremiah, think about this story. Jeremiah and Abedmelech couldn't have been any more different from one another. You have one who's a Jewish prophet, right, in, in, in direct connection with God, a mouthpiece for God, a Jewish prophet that's doing incredible things. And the other one you have, an African eunuch servant in the king's court. I mean, think about that for a second. These men essentially had nothing in common. The, the, the name Abimelech actually means the king's servant. We, we don't even know his, we don't even know his, his proper name. He, he was a, we know he was a Gentile who had courage to confront the king, right, and to, to stand against these officials and princes for, for the, the life of, of Jeremiah, right? We, we know that about him. But, but he, he was on the other end of the spectrum to, to someone like Jeremiah, not in, not in worth, but essentially in, in station, in, in position of life. And, and so, so think about that. 
Like, isn't this what pictures the purpose of, of God best, right? When people are pursuing the benefit of others who are in so many ways so different than themselves. That's why I love this story. That's why I think it's actually, it's actually incredible that it wasn't, it wasn't Jewish leaders who were coming to Jeremiah's rescue. That it wasn't Jewish, his Jewish friends that were coming to his rescues. It was an African eunuch, a courageous man, a man who wasn't Jewish, who said, this isn't right. What's been done to God's prophet, it, we have to do something. He'll die. This is, this is wrong. I mean, I, I can't think of a, of a better way to picture the gospel than for God's people, so you and I, right, to, to stand up um, for others who, who may have nothing in common with us, just purely for the sake of what? For saying, this is what the gospel demands of us. This is what it means to live in the way of Jesus. It's to pursue justice for others, to, to, to love others well. This is why, listen, all throughout, man, all throughout the Old Testament that we see, Malachi 6, 8, he, he says this about pursuing justice. He says, mankind, he has, he has told each of you what is good and what, uh, what it is that the Lord requires of you, to act justly, to love faithfulness, or faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. That's Malachi 6, 8. Psalm 146, 7 and 9 says this, he executes justice for the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. He lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves those who live justly. The Lord watches over the immigrant and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. Deuteronomy 10, 7 and 18. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and all-inspiring God showing no partiality and taking no bribe. Um, bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the resident alien, giving him food and clothing. This is the, the stance of our God in the Old Testament, is to pursue justice, is to love others well by pursuing right order, doing these things well. And so we see that pursuing justice, I think, is one of the clearest pictures of what it means to be in the kingdom of God. It, it, it's, it's shocking to people to see. It was shocking for Abimelech to stand up for Jeremiah. And it should be shocking for others to see the church stand up for those who, who maybe are vastly different than yourself and myself. Okay, thirdly, pursuing justice requires not simply acknowledging uh, a wrongdoing, but responding with action. Verse 7, it says, While the king was sitting at the Benjamin, uh, at the Benjamin gate, Abinmelech went from the king's palace and spoke to the king. You know what each of us have? We each have influence. Do you know what Abinmelech did? He just used the influence that he had. He had the ability to be in close proximity to the king. And so he, he just used, he essentially used the influences that he had to, to see the purposes of God completed. All, all of us have that. We all have influence in various ways. We all have circles that we navigate that, that you're in circles that I'm not in. I'm in circles that you're not in. I have influence that you don't have. You have influence that I don't have. This is what we see Abimelech do. He just was like, 
man, I'm just going to use influence I have. I'm, I'm a servant. I'm in the king's uh, palace. I've, I've heard what's happened to him, so I'm going to go to the king and speak with him. I love that. He, he, like, I love that he's doing it. He's, he's, he's acknowledging it, but he didn't just acknowledge it. What else did he do? Uh, verse 10. Says, so the king commanded Abimelech, the Cushite, take from, from here 30 men under your authority and pull the prophet Jeremiah up from the cistern before he dies. So he's like, go, go do it. So what, so what does Abimelech do? Verse 11, it says, he took men under his authority and went to the king's palace to the place below the storehouse. And from there he took old rags and worn out clothes and he lowered them by ropes to Jeremiah. So you, you get the picture here? These guys are like, they're, they're, they're just doing whatever they can do to get Jeremiah out of this. They're taking old rags. I mean, they're, these aren't wealthy men. This is, he, Abimelech's not a wealthy man. He doesn't have a lot of resources. They're, he's just going for it, right? I mean, he's like, well, well, let's just get him. Let's figure it out. We don't, I don't have a rope. Well, let's take old clothes and rags and let's put... He, did, he wasn't going to allow... Hear this. He wasn't going to allow anything to stand in his way of seeing justice, of seeing an injustice made right. He wasn't going to allow anything to stand in his way of seeing the purposes of God completed in his lifetime. Right? My parents would say he was scrappy. This is what they would say about Abimelech. So he took old rags and worn out clothes, and he lowered them by the ropes to Jeremiah and the sister. Verse 12, uh, Abimelech the Cushite called down to Jeremiah, um, place these old rags and clothes between your armpits and the ropes. This is how tired Jeremiah was. Jeremiah did this. They pulled him up with the ropes and lifted him out of the cistern, but he remained in the guard's courthouse. Um, and, and so this is what he did. He, he essentially, Abimelech, moved with what he had. He wasn't paralyzed by the situation. He did what was necessary. He put action to words. So a couple of questions here. Um, what, what justice cause has God placed on your heart? Right? What has it been for maybe maybe it's maybe for you it's been the, the racial inequality that, that we've seen um, that we've seen come to the forefront in some really good good ways, right? Maybe for you you're, you're beginning to recognize um, uh, uh, systematic um, racism and, and you want to respond to that as a follower of Christ and you want to do that in a healthy way. That's great. Maybe for you it's it's taking up the cause of the unborn. It's speaking out against uh, abortion. It's saying, hey, we, we, we got to do something here. We need to, to step into this. Maybe for you, it's, it's, it's sex trafficking. It's this um, vile, awful, terrible thing uh, where, where kids and adults are, are trafficked, trafficked all across the world and, and in the U.S. So maybe for you, that's, that's the cause that you want to take up. Maybe it's the homeless. Maybe it's um, education. Maybe it's um, ed- education inequality, right? I mean, wh- what, is the, what is the justice cause that God has put on your heart? What is that for you? How do you, you need to begin to recognize these things, see these things? What, what can you do with what you're passionate about? Like, who is in your circle that you can influence? Right? Don't, don't just look at like, the major parts of whatever justice issue God is calling you to. Don't just look at these big things and go, wow, it's so out there. I, I don't know what I can do. And, and so I'm just I'm paralyzed and I'm not going to do anything. Now, what can you do? Right? I mean, I can remember thinking back on, um, on, on the racial tension and the racial inequality that, that has been happening. I just can remember thinking, man, there's some like, major big issues here that I can't do anything about. And so I just began to think, well, what can I do? Right? What can I do? Well, I'm a dad. I can, I can talk to my kids about it. I can talk to my eight-year-old daughter about it. I can share with her the history of, of how um, 
African Americans have, because of the color of their skin, um, have, have experienced unbelievable wickedness and how even to this day they experience um, these things. I, as a dad, can do that. I can have that conversation with her. My, my kids can grow up knowing that that's a, the history of the U.S. and also knowing that that's something that is currently still, right, is still dealing with. I can, as a pastor, use the influence that I have to, to speak out about the, those particular things and racial injustice. I can support black businesses, which we're doing. I can, I can give towards um, uh, an organization that helps those who can't afford uh, legal aid. I, I can do that. I can give money um, towards that. I can talk to my friends about it, right? I can use the, the influence that I have in my circle to, to bring about doing, uh, to bring about change where, where I can. You, you can do that. Whatever it is, whatever the social um, thing is for you, right? So motivated by the gospel, motivated by uh, a love of Jesus, by a new life, you can do that as well. So how do, how do, what, what little things can you do right now? Don't get paralyzed by the big stuff. Abimelech moved, right? He took what he could and he brought about change. So he put, he put um, action to words. So pursuing justice is going to require God's people to put action to words. And then final thing, um, pursuing justice is ultimately about trusting the purposes of God. I want to look at Jer- Jeremiah 39, 15 through 18, and, and we're done. I'm going to close up. Listen to what it says here. Now the word of the Lord had come to Jeremiah when he was um, confined in the guard's courtyard. So they're about to be taken over. God's people are about to be taken over. Verse 16, this is what God said to um, Jeremiah. Go tell Abedmelech the Cushite, um, this is what the Lord of the armies, the God of Israel, I love that, says, I'm about to fulfill my words for disaster and not for good against the city. Because of their wickedness, God is going to punish them. They will take place before your eyes on that day. Verse 17. So here it is. Verse 17. But I will rescue you on that day. This is the Lord's declaration. And you will not be handed over to the men you dread. Indeed, verse 18. Indeed, I will certainly deliver you so that you do not fall by the sword. Now here it is. Why? Why why is God doing this? Because you have trusted in me. You will retain your life like the spoils of war. This is the Lord's declaration. Listen, you can't pursue right justice without coming against someone or something else. Anytime you put yourself out there, anytime I put myself out there as a, as a Christ follower, anytime you're speaking out against injustice, that does what it presupposes that someone is doing an injustice, which means what? You are going to have difficulty. It's going to be hard. And so when, when we pursue what is right, we say what to God? We say, I trust you. I trust your purposes. This is going to be difficult. This could cost me my job, friendships, money, resources, a, a status within a group, in a social circle. We say, God, but you're, we're saying, we're saying you're worth it. I trust you. I, I, see, I see in the Old Testament that you told me to love God and love neighbor. So, and I see in the New Testament that my neighbor is, what, is anyone in need? Is anyone who needs help? So I'm going to do it. I can't do it perfectly. That's why I need Jesus. Right? I can't do it to, to get eternal life, but I'm, I'm going to do it motivated by the fact that God's given me new life through Christ. 
I'm going to do it. I trust you. I trust you. And so, so I, don't know, I don't know where you're at today. Um, maybe in this you're recognizing, man, I'm not in a right relationship with God. I, 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 maybe I'm pursuing some things, but, but ultimately it's, I need to be in a relationship with God. I, I, I need Jesus. Maybe, maybe in all of this anxiety that's been swirling around just culturally, you're, you're, you're feeling that and God's been drawing you. Maybe, maybe today you need to trust Christ. Whether you're, you're watching for Charles River Church or Christ Church Charlestown or, or Grace City, man, reach out. Uh, um, do, write it in the comments. Send an email to your pastor. Do, do whatever you need to do to, to be in intimacy, to walk in intimacy with God. Maybe you need to do that too. Maybe, maybe God has made it apparent that, that he's put something on your heart. He's made you passionate about something like Abimelech, um, and he's calling you to action. Maybe you've been refusing to do that. Maybe you need to do business with God today. You say, man, I need to, I need to do that. Maybe he's, he's saying to you, hey, use your influence. Use the circle that you have. Maybe today, maybe you need to have a conversation today. Like You need to sit down and think, okay, here's the issue that I'm, I'm passionate about as a follower of Christ. Here's some, here's some steps I can take right now to begin to do that. Kind of like what, what we were doing with the racial inequality. Maybe, that's, maybe you do that. You go, hey, I can't, I can't do all of this up here, this big stuff, but, but I can do this. I can, I can give money here, or I can have conversations here, or I can give my time here, or, or, or whatever that is for you. Maybe you need to sit down in light of this and say, I need to, like Abimelech, put, put words to actions. I, I love this story. I, I don't know if you'd heard it before. Um, it's an incredible story about a, a very you know, in some ways a minor player in the story. But think about what he did. He saved Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a mouthpiece of God. God's purposes were accomplished because Abimelech saw an injustice and responded in a way that was courageous and brave. And so I'm praying, I'm praying that we as God's people in our day, in 2020, could live the same way. Thanks.